Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Haunted Playground right here on the live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. Also, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, and more. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host in Los Angeles and beyond. I'm a creative and a performing artist. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California every Tuesday and Wednesday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show is about everything that lives beyond the three dimensions. So whether you want to know, is there God, is there life after death, or do I have a Loch Ness Monster in my above-ground swimming pool? It all belongs here on Haunted Playground. And every week, I gather my friends, the people I believe to be the brightest and most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in the spiritual and the paranormal community, and we talk about all things that go bump in the night. And my guest today is no exception to that. He is a truly amazing, fantastic, and fun guy. Uh, He is the rock and roll ghost hunter and also the founder of the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society. For many years, he did one of the OG Paracons, Mid-South Paranormal, out of his home, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, he's got a new show coming up called Bourbon Spirits. He's a a long-running radio host of his own right, and one of my favorite people in the world. Please welcome to the show. Uh, the wonderful Keith Age is here. Keith, it's so great to have you here, my friend. Super good to hear your voice. All right, dear. Thank you very much for having me. How are you, my friend? How are, how are things? Is uh, Do you believe that you live in a very haunted place? Because it seems like that mid-Atlantic region in there. Um, just seems to be a bastion for paranormal activity. Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, Southern Ohio. It seems like that whole area, there's so much going on there, right? Well, you know, we live in a great big swamp (laughs) here in Louisville. And, uh, you know, this started out as a pirate town. And, of course, we had the biggest tuberculosis epidemic in the world had the most deaths of it here and you know our downtown area you know houses are almost some of them are almost 300 years old so yeah we have a lot of history here and you know the indians were here there's a lot of different things that were here long before we were so yeah i think we kind of live in a special place all the Irish that brought with us all of our mysticism, right? I, I laugh. And, and Keith knows, and maybe you all know from listening to the show, that, but my family's from Louisville, my mom's family. She was born there. And, um, yeah, the Irish, right, brought a lot of their <laughs> our own magic. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, 
people still talk about uh, leprechauns and things that they see downtown. So, you know, and that's the only way they can explain it. Leprechauns and goblins. Love that. I love that. And, of course, the water, right? Water is a conduit for spiritual activity, and Louisville sits on the Ohio River. And um, yeah. a lot of Louisville is probably actually below sea level, I would think. Yeah, like I said, we live in a swamp. You know, that's why the, the tuberculosis germ just came here, sat on top of us, and had nowhere to go. And, uh, you know, that's why it germinated so much and so quickly and so fast. And, you know, of course, everybody knows about the TB epidemic. And, uh, you know, it, it just, I believe we are, a little bit under sea level, but again, you got the Ohio right here in at in Louisville. Louisville backs up to it, and yeah, I mean, you take an EMF reader over to it, and those things just peg, you know, because it, running water gives off so much electromagnetic energy. So you know, that's always been another thing that people have always said. You know, that's what quote causes hauntings and ghosts and you know and we do know that high emf readings can create a fear cage and make you see things make you sick make you act totally different than how you normally do and uh so yeah i i think we have a little bit of the history and we also have a, a lot of the emf energy here i believe that 100 percent. did i ever tell you Have we ever had the talk that my mom was in the Great Flood? Yes, 37. And and at that time, right, Louisville was almost completely underwater. Oh, it it Um, was completely underwater, especially downtown. I mean, you know, they actually had lawn boats ferrying people. And, uh, you know, there's pictures of the Brown Hotel where people were coming out of the third floor window to get in these long boats. So third floor, uh-huh. you're talking at least 30 feet, you know. And uh, from what I understand, you've got uh, Louisville, Jefferson County, which is Louisville, and then you've got Brooks, and then after that you've got Shepherdsville. And the the floodwaters went all the way to Shepherdsville. So, you know, that's that's almost, you know, 15 miles outside of proper limits, city limits. Right. Yeah, that was my mom's, one of my mom's first memories, that they were literally sitting on the roof, and men in boats came and picked them up and took them to a church. And I think the first time I was in Louisville for your Mid-South Paranormal Convention, I had been there as a kid, driven through it a couple of times, but um, that was the first time I ever spent any time there, teen. Um, I think I found the church, because she remembered they ferried them all to a church, and they slept on the church pews for like a week until the water levels went down. Um, and I think yeah, it's that because church. You, I'm sorry? Which church? I'm sorry. I think it's – so you know how um, you told me about Irish Town, and I went down yeah. Bardstown Road where Irish Town is now? When I was researching, I found out that – there was the original Irish town that you told me about, right? That's farther, that's different than that. It's a little way yeah. away from that. And then I read that a lot of the Irish moved to the hill, up to where a hill is. 
And that's, yeah. there's a church that's right there at the top of that hill, kind of right it, over yeah, the they, river. They, and I'm pretty yeah, sure they that's what they They call it Sanctuary Hill. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the church. It's right at the top of that hill, and if you're facing the river, it's on the left side. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the church that them to. How weird yeah, and, to be in that I mean, I can't even tell you what it was like to be in the place where all mom's stories came from. It's um, that's, that's part of, to me, the my favorite part about the paranormal is the history. Like I always say on the paranormal shows, my favorite part is the first 15 minutes where they're doing the history and interviewing the people. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, there's something about being in a place where you've heard these stories your entire life, and then you're actually there where all these things are right in front of you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's just like we're talking about Waverly Hills. Waverly Hills was yeah. on the highest peak in Louisville, Jefferson County, and they actually brought people up there to, you know, wait out the flood. And, uh, you know, even though they could have contracted tuberculosis, and, you know, that's what they did. They moved everybody uh, south that they could out of downtown Louisville. And, yeah. you know, that's that's why I said, like, Sanctuary Hill, I think that's the second highest peak in Louisville. And, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, it's still, it's, it's almost, uh, it's, it's pretty much on the line of Bartstown and, and Louisville. And, uh, right. That's that's what they did with a lot of those old country churches back then because they set up on hills. You know, the houses got flooded, but the churches didn't. Yeah. It's and and, that, leads, think, and that, that, that leads me to my other point. I've always said that schools, jails, hospitals, and churches are the most haunted places that you can go to. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and I, would, I would add to that theaters. Theaters seem to be... Always extremely yeah. haunted too. Yeah, opera houses, especially opera houses, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just because so much energy is expanded in that one place, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, that's at least that's my theory on it. And uh, you know, I think it's just a residual type thing; it becomes embedded in the wood. And yeah, that's like uh, it's like Post Town Elementary. Uh, me and Rick Hayes, like I said, we talked on a class there last weekend and one of the students was using my FLIR and caught something phenomenal just amazing I'll, I'll have to send it to you so you can oh, see it oh I love that I, yeah and I think that's one of the things that I love the most about the paranormal because to me it's sort of where spiritual and otherworldly meet history and those are like my two favorite things so the two of them together, I mean, I think if you're, it's all well and good to investigate and hope to capture things and hope to see things. And But if you're, you're, if you're not enjoying the historical aspect of paranormal investigating, I think you're really missing out. Oh, yeah. I've always said for the last 30 years that I think history can prove a haunting. And yeah. uh, just, you know, and... As some people love to go into a place. I don't want to know nothing about this place. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you know, right. I think you need to learn a little bit about the place. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. No, I do. I want to know everything about a place. And as a psychic, everybody's always like, oh, well, the psychic shouldn't know anything. No, I, I want to know about it. That doesn't – look, if you give a psychic the information on a place before they go in, and the, it, the, the, the information they give back to you is exactly what you gave them, then perhaps they're not really seeing or feeling anything. But usually right. what we wind up picking up and sharing is completely different not different like it doesn't match up with what you said, but it's not necessarily going to be just because there's a famous story of a limping man that goes down a hallway. When you go into a place that's two, 300 years old as a psychic medium, you're probably not going to see just that. There's going to be a whole bunch of stuff, and maybe you're not even going to see the limping man. So if somebody's giving yeah. you back exactly what you told them, then, yeah, talk an eyebrow at that. But for the most part, I think um, – the more history that's known, the easier it is to sort of immerse yourself in that time period and open your channel farther so you get more messages. And, um, and well, just as a human being, I feel ripped off if I don't get the history because that's my favorite part. Yeah, well, that's, that goes along with what I was saying about that picture that I'm going to send you. Rick Hayes was actually one, like I said, one of the students took the shot on my FLIR during his session with them walking through the school. And he's telling the people that are with him, the, the, the students, I'm communicating with a man and a daughter. And that's exactly what you see on this picture. But it's thermal. It's you got history of and the school going on, and then now you've got actual true science corroborating what he's saying is right there in front of you. You know, yeah. so... You know, you know, I've I've been told yeah. I'm anti psychic and I'm not anti psychic. Rick has been a long time friend, somebody who I do consider a brother. And uh you know, I just don't really go with the dog and pony show of some people who that's that's all they're in it for is to make some money. Yeah. And you yeah. know, and pray and actually prey on people and that, that I don't agree with. No, I'm 100%. And when I saw you perform with your band at Mid-South Paranormal, you had Bill Bean in the band, completely a man of God. You had yep. Lisa Phillips in the band, medium, and demonologist. I mean, you you had a lot of different kinds of people in your band. So I don't know who in the world would say. And you asked me to put together a panel that was psychics and investigators talking about both ends of the paranormal. So I don't think that's that's true about you at all. I mean, I think that you're very open to everyone, but I always say that I think whether you're talking about paranormal stuff or you're talking about psychic stuff, mm -hmm. in order to be a true believer, you have to also be a skeptic because it's so yeah. important to filter out the things that don't make sense to you so that you can then get behind the things that do. And, and some oh, stuff definitely. is just you know, people make things up. And that's not just psychics make stuff up. Investigators fake things and make stuff up to make themselves seem like the star of the minute. So you just have to kind of use your discernment, right? Oh, definitely. You know, like I said, I'm not anti-psychic. I'm anti-idiot. And, uh, yes, sure. and there are yes, there are a lot in this field. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there are a lot of people thinking it's a way to get famous fast. And, or get um, rich. And and I, I can rich. honestly say paranormal paid sucks, especially when you're on TV. I was going to say, where's the getting rich part? I think I missed out on that. 
Yeah, well, so did I. I mean, you know, I had a number two paranormal series for 10 years, and I never saw the riches, just just the fact it was on TV. And, and it's crazy because I was talking to somebody earlier this afternoon that some people believe just because you're on TV means that you're rich and you're famous. And I'm like going, well, first of all, we're not SAG members, so we don't make those type of rates. That's that's why, you know, that they can get, get these shows done so cheap. And uh, for those that don't know what SAG is, it's the Screen Actors Guild, the Union for Actors. Sure. You know, and it's just crazy because they go, oh, you've got to be rich. And I'm like, uh, no, you know. You know, I'm I'm lucky that I make residuals and stuff like that from different things I've done, but each each residual you get after so many years, it starts dropping. Every every check you get is a little bit less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and oftentimes there's no residuals at all if you're doing reality TV, which is what most paranormal shows are. So, right. No, I was I was lucky with the deal that I got. Very lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then, yeah, I, and, then I some, and then some of the shows, some of the shows that I've been in, I've been lucky enough to where I was able to buy them, you know, those episodes and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, you know, I bought them for a song, and you know, so so I do get a little bit of payment on that, but I definitely am not getting rich. <laughs> Plus, yeah. I still live in yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Would you leave Kentucky if you got rich? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get rich, so that never has come up before. <laughs> you know? And I don't I think Yeah, I have been all over the world. Uh, I do have some places I really like. Uh, would I ever leave here? I don't know, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's very intoxicating. I I think all the time about coming, and then I remind myself that my life is here, but uh, it doesn't stop the thinking about it. I've never stopped thinking about it ever since I came. So it's um, it's Kentucky lures you in, right? It's uh, even oh, all the definitely. years my mom. She, I mean, she left when she was eleven. She was still such a Kentucky person. I mean, it was so obviously in her, and I don't think I even realized how much until I went there to do your conference. I was like, oh, my God, this place just feels like my mother. Um, so it's a magical place, and I, maybe it's all the water. Also, it's kind of the gateway to so many different places, right? Just the fact that you cross those bridges on the river and you keep winding up in different states. I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah, so I think I, yeah, that, you, that mm-hmm. you, can, you can hit Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Tennessee very quickly. You know, yeah, and you know, I mean, granted, it's a six-hour drive to Tennessee, but Lord, you know, it's a straight shot, and yeah, that's the way it is with every, with all all the different states that surround Kentucky. Yeah, unless you go west yeah. or, or 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 east. Yeah, do you do you think it's that way that the whole state? is as haunted as Louisville, or do you think Louisville sitting right on the water kind of a hot spot? I think it, Louisville definitely is a hot spot, uh, but Kentucky has a lot of different places to go to. Uh, 
you know, and also Indiana, uh, because they are so close to each other. I think the river has a lot to do with it, like you said. Yeah, it's an interesting river, isn't it? Every river sort of has its own personality. And mm-hmm. um, Ohio has a very mystic feel to it when you look at it. Well, again, like I said, this was a pirate town, a riverboat town. And, uh, you know, the original Jim Porter's was in Portland, which is part of Louisville, the oldest part of Louisville. And uh, it was nothing but a pirate town. You know, when you think of what a pirate is, that's, for, you know, the the worst of the worst for, came in there. Uh, people were shanghaied and murdered and everything else, and they nobody batted an eye, you know, and, you know, had Indian skirmishes and all kinds of different things yeah. here. I mean, you know, I mean, Daniel Boone was here, for God's sake. He discovered Kentucky. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. I mean, are you still finding, as long as you've lived there and as much as you've studied, are you still finding things out about the Louisville area and about Kentucky that you didn't know all the time? I mean, there's still so much to learn about it historically and paranormally. Oh, yeah. You know, that's like uh, the very first house that was ever built in Louisville proper. It's still there. It's right in the middle of downtown. And if you don't look for it, you're going to miss it. Uh, They don't really brag about it or nothing. It's a a small little event center downtown now and uh, got all these big buildings around it. And it's an old colonial house and, you know, it's beautiful inside and uh, extremely haunted, you know. Wow. You know, it's it's still there. It's called the Monroe House. And... uh, you know, we, we've been lucky enough to go investigate it. But, you know, downtown, which you remember downtown, it's the only house downtown still there, you know, until you yeah. get to the outer edges. Yeah, I'm, I was, I'm amazed. There's one minute you can be someplace that's very new, and then you turn around and you look the other direction, and there's something that's very, very old. And um, Yeah. The new and the old are very close together, which I think is really interesting because a lot of places you find like there's a new neighborhood, new neighborhood, there's an old neighborhood, uh, but in Louisville it can be like old house, new house, old house. I mean, you know, it's right; they're right all up on top of each other, and I think that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and the the downtown historic uh, section, you know, is just a mile each way of old mansions. You know, they call it Old Louisville. And you get just outside of that, you know, those things were built in the 1800s, some of them, some of the 1700s. And then you get just a couple of blocks outside of that, and then you get into houses that were built in the early 1900s, which were basically shotgun houses and people looking for land. And shotgun houses are really small, but they're long. And, you know, right. you don't have much land, but you have a house. And, yes. of course, you know, like I said, the early 1900s, you know, people were booming. And then then you started in the 1940s and after the Second World War, that's when the suburb, suburbs started coming up. 
and then you know bigger factories came in like Ford and GE, and they built uh, subdivisions for those places. And then after that, then you know it just people want land, and so yeah, you get out into those areas, and there's new houses everywhere, and uh, it's just wild. And of course, then we still have rail tracks. We've had a lot of deaths on the rail tracks, and um, you know where people have been hit by a train or killed, and you know so you get out definitely in the outer areas like Shepherdsville, and uh, I remember my aunt and uncle's house when I was a kid. We used to see a man walking, walking the rails behind their house, and then all of a sudden he just disappear, not because he's running wow. into the woods. You could just sit there and watch him. I remember watching that with a kid, just like freaking out, you know, scared to death. Yeah, yeah, wow, wow, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. The Shepherdsville, that's that's a pretty high activity area as well, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's just now starting to get to be uh, a more not industrial, but uh, commercial area, and people, there's still plenty of land out there, and people are, you know, of course, they're paying high high penny for it now, but, uh, yeah, no, people want to move out there and get some of the country life, and, you know, and country life is going away quickly because the land is going away quickly, and, you know, uh, people ask me what's, you know, one of my most uh, memorable experiences, uh, you and I have talked about this, a little place called Rooster Run, Kentucky, and Crossroads, Kentucky, where, yeah. you know, this, where, where this Crossroads is. I mean, it is it is exactly what it sounds like, Crossroads and Rooster Run. You step over one side of the, the street, you're in one county. You step over another, you're in another county. And you step over another, you're in another county. You step in the, the last one, and you're in another county. And... Uh, we investigated a house out there where it was an old, just an old ranch house, ranch style, and people would uh, just their attitudes and stuff changed, and somebody actually got murdered. You know, uh, a, a wife killed her husband out there, and you know it just there's no power, real power lines going anywhere, and the only thing we could find was it had to be the lamp. You know, and they actually demolished that house, the owner of the land, and uh, refuses to build anything back up on it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What do people like that do? I've always wondered that. Because some people just refuse to either sell their house because they don't want to pass the the spirits on. Um Sometimes the houses just sit vacant. Somebody owns it but doesn't live in it, right? Sometimes they yeah. actually plow the house. They demolish the house but then refuse to sell the land to anyone. I mean, that must be an incredible, not just financial, but an also incredible emotional and spiritual burden to own yeah, a place and, like and that, that that has that energy. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what they've done with this house. They leveled it and uh, – and come to find out that uh, a tribe of Indians had lived there hundreds of years ago for almost a thousand years, and uh, you know different tribes from different parts of the counties, you know they 
killed each other and fought wars and everything else. So, you know, we don't know exactly what happened out there. Uh, other than the fact that uh, these people loving couples, you know, they just got married and weren't having no financial problems or anything, but they ended up got to the, after six months, they were ready to kill each other, and she ended up did killing him, the husband. And, wow. you know, that's the only thing we could figure out was it's got to be something on the land. And then that's mm-hmm. what the owner of the land had thought anyway, so that's why he just went ahead and plowed it down and, uh, there's like four other houses that are on this track of land and he just got everybody out of them and just bulldozed them. And uh, he's he's been dead for a while now, but the family still hasn't sold the land. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I can't even imagine the burden of that, but I completely get it. I mean, I get that sometimes you know, that really haunted place that I lived outside of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only place we ever had we couldn't sell right away. Because my dad would get promoted, and as he got promoted, he'd get transferred to a different plant, right? He was a design engineer. And every place we lived, um, they always sold the house right away and always for much more money than we bought it for because my parents would gut it and fix it up. But the Baltimore house wouldn't sell. So we came out here to California where, of course, Houses were so expensive, and uh, the Baltimore house just was not selling years. And I think it was the only house my parents ever owned, and they lived many places before me. They lived in uh, in Long Island. They lived uh, two places in Tennessee before I was born. It was the only place that we ever lived that they didn't make a profit on the house. They actually lost money. And then I went to go – I was doing a, um, a pilot for a, a show that Andrea Perrin was hosting – and they wanted me to find out about the house because we were going to talk about both growing up in very negative haunted houses. And um, I went to look it up on Zillow and Redfin. It turned out it was it, it was it was for sale again. And I looked at the pictures of it. It was all overgrown, like ivy was all grown over the house, and the backyard was so overgrown that when they take the shot from the satellite, all you could see were treetops. And I'm like, oh my god, this place is so creepy. Then my best friend from junior high, who now lives in Harrisburg. She drove down there, and she was like, I'm going to take pictures of it for you. She's like, oh, my God. So it's uh, it's amazing um, how sometimes a house, it has a personality, right? I mean, I think all houses do to, to a, maybe a lesser extent, but some houses just have these very severe and strong personalities, right? And they they sometimes overpower the human beings that live in them. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, that I think that the emotions just get into the wood. And, uh, you know, uh, the the very first place I had my very first paranormal experience, uh, I've talked to the family that lived there. They sold it, and then they sold it like four or five times uh, and let the people know, hey, we think this place is haunted, and they couldn't keep people in it. And then uh, one day, about I guess about 10 or 15 years ago, it mysteriously burned down and hasn't been rebuilt. Oh. This is in the middle of the neighborhood. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's strange, right? There's, there's a house not too far from me, the, sort of the next <clears throat> town over. You know, I live in an area where, where I live, definitely I live on an Indian burial ground. I'm pretty sure a lot of the 
surrounding beach area by me probably was all a big burial ground at one point. This house sits right in the middle of all these fancy little right on they're right on the water, right? So it's not actually on the beach, but across the street from on the beach. And there's all these fancy little beach houses. And in the middle of it there's this old, scary, huge, deserted thing that I mean you you walk by and then you can see that I can see the spirits looking out the windows and I'm like, ah and it always <laughs> seems abandoned. No one's done anything with it. It just sits there. And um, I'm glad I don't live next to it because it's creepy. But, yeah, it just, it just sits there. And it's, it's fascinating to me that, um, that we, we have these houses just living right in our neighborhoods, right? And sometimes houses look perfectly normal from the outside and then are just a, a, a paranormal poop show on the inside, right? So you, you just never know what's around. Yeah, that's what I was saying with this house in Rooster Run. It's just a small little ranch house, you know, nothing out of the ordinary on the outside. And, you know, you walk in and you can just feel the oppression. And, you know, of course, you start looking automatically for power lines and things like that, creating this fear cage that's inside this house. And there's nothing there, you know, and... And no high EMF readings nowhere. You know, you got high EMF readings at the at the the box, but uh, that was it. And you know, and that wasn't really enough to get up here and create the fear cage. We don't, you know, it, yeah. it just had to be the land. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I know that you. One of the things we've talked about a lot when you've done shows for me, um, you. Um, have never actually witnessed something paranormal, although you've been investigating. No, I've, for I've witnessed a lot of paranormal stuff. I've just never seen a ghost like me or you right. talking to each right. other. Never actually seen a ghost. Now, is that seen a ghost with your mind's eye, or seen a ghost with your actual eyeballs, or both? With my actual eyes, I mean, I've seen shadow people. I've had shadow people walk through me, uh, but you know, there's no. Sh- all it is is a shape. And uh, as I said, I'm still waiting for the day I finally get to meet Bob the ghost. And he goes, hi, I'm Bob. <laughs> you know, sticks his yeah, hand Bob, out to how, me, you know. Do how I? Active is the where, how active yeah. is the place where you live? The place where I'm living at now? Yeah. Uh, it's fairly active at times. Not all the time. Uh We've set up recorders and stuff at night, and we've caught children giggling and people talking. You just can't hear what they're wow. saying. And uh, we've also caught, I thought my wife Robin had brought in another dog because she's she's very big on, you know, collecting animals, especially things that she feels need help. And we got five dogs, two cats, four turtles, and a bird. And um, wow. I thought she collected another dog because there was this little brown scruffy dog sitting here one day as I was shaving. And I looked down, there's this little dog. And I was like, well, where'd you come from and what's your name? And then it went out and I heard it, its claws clicking down the hallway. 
on the floorboards and then nothing. And I said, where'd you get the new dog? And she said, I have brought a dog in. Like, Great. You know, and, and the okay. animals react to this thing, you know. Okay, so you haven't seen Bob the ghost, but you have seen Fido the ghost. Well, I've I've seen, you know, what looked like a dog. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I have, haven't I? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, you have. You have. You have yeah. Bob he Dennis. he just didn't say hi. My name's Bob. You know. No, I when I lived in my uh, when I was in my twenties, I I had a boyfriend that had um, he had a black cat that you saw at his apartment all the time, and um, he would always say, "I've been seeing it since I moved in here," and you'd see it out of the corner of your eye. You'd see it like you'd just see it sitting somewhere, and then you'd look back, and it was gone. When he moved in with me, it came with him, and then it was in my house. But when we split and he moved out, it went with him. So definitely, it's it's his, and it and it follows him, and he still has it. Um, mm. and I met him thirty years ago, thirty-two years ago. Mm. So um, he's you know, probably he still got it with him. him. He's got it with him. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, we're very good friends. And he always talks about, you know, I still, and he's not like a, like a paranormal woo-woo person. Like he's not a disbeliever, but he's definitely a super skeptic. Like he's always looking for reasons why it probably isn't paranormal before he admits that it is. Right. He's not an enthusiast. No, not at all. Yeah, no. uh, Like I said, the little... Scruffy dog, I've, I've seen a couple times. Uh, now, one night I did have something that caused me to jolt a little bit. Not, it didn't scare me. Not the paranormal side of it. I was going to bed. It was about three a.m. in the morning. I was walking down the hallway, and a voice says, "Good night." And I, oh. I just, I just walked on. That didn't bother me. So I get to the bedroom, and Robin's asleep. And I'm getting undressed, and all of a sudden the door starts opening. That bothered me. I'm thinking there's somebody in the house. So gun came out of the drawer real quick, and I cleared the house. I'm sorry, old cop habits die hard. And, uh, you know, cleared it going through the house and then cleared it coming back. And then she woke up when I got in bed, and I still had the gun in my hand. She's like, why do you have a gun? I explained it to her. She goes, yeah, some big bad ghost hunter you are. It's like the paranormal part of it didn't bother me. I just thought there was somebody in the house, you know. Yeah. And so, so I'm always going to go to that, you know, physical reason first or try to find it before I say, yeah. okay, it's paranormal. Right, right. And there, there's physical things that you have to watch out for. I mean, even if you're in, it's like an abandoned warehouse and you're investigating. You have to look out for, uh, you know, don't sit down on an old hypodermic or don't don't get some kind of mold or don't catch a cold or don't trip over something and get tetanus, fall on a nail. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, real-world concerns when you paranormal investigate that I think sometimes people forget about that are sometimes every bit as important as what could happen if you saw a spirit, you know? No, you're you're right. I mean, I've I've said plenty of time. I'm more worried about who is behind the door, not what. 
And uh, do you know who the wrestler Al Snow is? Yeah, sure. WWE. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he lives here. And uh, he actually went with me to film, this is maybe 2005, uh, two, no, 2006, 2007, right in that area, uh, where we had one of the Mid-Souths, and we did uh, an old factory that was had been abandoned for years here. And uh, matter of fact, almost everybody in the, the America has one of their toilets or their sinks or something inside their house. They still have it, but the factory's gone now. And I actually stepped on a board and put two nails through my foot. It impaled me to the board. And uh, wow. Al Snow actually come up and put his feet down on both sides of it and lifted my foot up and said, here you go. Oh. Go, go to the hospital now. <laughs> oh. So, so, yeah, you gotta yeah. you got to watch where, you, where you're going and what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And, and then yeah. while we while we were while we were filming uh, Children of the Grave, we were uh, not Children of the Grave, Soul Catcher. Uh, we were out in uh, the Badlands and a lot of Indian reservations and stuff. And uh, we went to this school and and the houses and everything. They just left one day. No, you know, they said the spirits all attacked the house and everything, the houses and the schools, and they just left. And uh, we were, we actually went inside the school. It was getting dark, just to kind of look around. Me and uh, our guide, and of course, when you're on Indian land, a white man cannot have a gun. And uh, they took my gun away from me the minute I got on land. And so we went in. And all I've got is a little thermal imager going on. So you got a two by two screen that's blinding you from the rest of everything around you. And uh, walk in, it was. Uh, me, uh guy behind me, his wife, and then the guide. <clears throat> and I stepped on what I thought was a branch. And when I stepped on it, it growled. And I was like, well, let's get out of here for right now until we can get more light in here and see what's going on. And, and, right. and I dropped the thermal camera backing up, and I stepped on it again, and it growled again. So the next day, we were looking at the dailies. And... Uh, get this heated up image in this area and I was like what is this and finally I flipped it around it's a mountain lion I've stepped on his tail twice you know he had it draped across the little alleyway there and I got lucky that uh, he didn't decide I was lunch and yeah. you know it's just, just his face the thermal image when you flip it open he's got his mouth wide open and teeth and fangs and I'm like going great I could have been smacked. And uh, the Indian guy that was with us that had my gun, he goes, don't worry, I would have shot the cat. I said, dude, you'd have emptied that 13 clip into us, you know, before you even touched that cat. So, yeah, you got to be careful. you got to be mindful of where you're at and where you're going. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. You got to be careful for so many different reasons. Um. How many films did you do with the Booth Brothers? We made ten. Wow. Wow. Children of the Grave is my favorite to this day. Thank you. It's, it, Children of the Grave is, is my favorite out of them all, too. Number one um, and number I two. Story, and I think it's a story that so needed to be told, and 
um, my mom being an orphan, I think it hit me in kind of a, a certain way, you know, I just think it's a brilliant film. And, and, uh, what was your favorite thing about doing that? Learning the history, uh, that was just amazing to us. You know, we, we'd heard about, I had never heard in my whole lifetime of ever hearing about the orphan trains, never had heard that. And then we yeah, started nice. getting into it and just like, wow, you know, kids, you know, were shanghaied from New York and taken all the way out to California and sold, you know, yeah. as slave labor. And, you know, there were still some people alive that, that, that happened to them as children. I mean, you know, you know, the rail yards in New York were full of kids just running around because, you know, back in the early 1900s eight and late 1800s, the fathers were the breadwinners, period. And it wasn't nothing for them to have 12, 15 kids, you know. Uh, and, you know, they just grabbed these kids that were in the rail yard and take them on, take them on, drop them off. Mostly in Indiana, Ohio, and then uh, California was the final destination. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? That could have happened to my mm-hmm. mom. Some crazy things yeah. did happen to her in that orphanage, but that definitely wasn't one. Uh, the, the thing that was the thing when she was in the orphanage was they would sort of um, allow people to foster. Can you see my finger quote? Children for yeah. the summer, the fall, which uh-huh. basically meant they got free labor. And my mom remembers many times, like, working the fields at these houses while their kids kind of sat on the patio and drank lemonade and laughed. Um, yeah. That is get, its own get the kind of illegal activity. Yeah. But at the time, yeah, but I guess she's lucky she didn't get stuck on a train and shipped somewhere. Well, that's just like yeah, the cover of, of Children of the Grave. There's a little girl wearing uh, wearing a hook on her hand. It's a whole thing that goes on the arm. Uh, that was actually sent to us from an actual orphan that she went through this. She got her arm, part of her arm ripped off, and it was cheaper oh. to go get the hook made than go get a new orphan. You know, and like I said, just the history of it and just the amazing amount of it. And what, you know, everybody knows that, you know, in the early 1900s and late 1800s, that orphanages, even up to the 60s, were not real good places to be in. Uh, no. You know, just just the amount of abuse that went on and things. And then this yeah. really brought it to light. And we were actually sued by different uh, places and not wanting to get the story out. And it just amazed us. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Well, isn't there also a story in Children of the Grave where they were, like, literally poisoning the children? Yeah. Uh, they were give, putting formaldehyde in the milk and thinking yeah. that it was doing good to help them, and it was actually poisoning them. Uh, so children were dying. And uh, that was – a lot of that happened all over the country, but the biggest part of it was uh, – Western Kentucky, all the way through Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's insane. Yeah. So much history, right? And so many stories that need to be told. And sometimes 
he's the best way for people to listen is to tell them through a paranormal lens, right? Oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, and that's one of the things I love about Phil and Chris, the Boot Brothers. They are true filmmakers. And, uh, yes. And historians. You know, and, you know, and when, when, yeah, when we got the, the, uh, the actual story of what was going on, once we finally figured it out, it was just so much meat there to grab onto it you know there's there was a lot that didn't make it into the film but you know we you know we got what we could in there and uh you know from whispers of rachel and her brother enos up in mitchell indiana and uh then zombie road oh my god that was just wild walking through those through those that forest you know and again, it's federal land, and took my gun away from me. And then the high sheriff, we're talking to him, interviewing him, and I was like, "What do I need to bring out here?" And he's like, "Guns." I was like, "You just took my gun away from me." You know? <laughs> I mean, there's really, you know, the whole lions and tigers and bears theory. It's 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 true out there, but it's more like coyotes, cougars, and bears. That you know. Yeah. And this is the middle Absolutely. of summer we were out there. Wow. Wow. You're amazing, my friend. We could do a lot of these. Will you come back and do this with me again? I would love it. Whenever you want, darling. All you got to do is say when. And where can people find you if they're looking for what you're up to and what you're doing? Best places on Facebook. Or you can go to www.louisvillegs.com. Wonderful. Thank you for being here, everybody, my dear friend, and the wonderful and amazing Keith Age. Always so great to have you here on the show, Keith. If you missed anything about Keith or you want more info from me, I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, and I'm everywhere uh, on in social media. I'm just at Sheena Metal. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and know that you are loved and you are loved, and you're particularly loved by me. We're at hauntedplayground.com, liveparanormal.com, iheartradio.com, sheenametalspiritual.com. I'll see you next week. Take care of you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.